This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Currently, you can get free delivery on all orders over £40 and 10% of all online orders by using our code of TAKESTHATCHANCE10. Excuse me, Mali. Yeah! Mali. Sensational strike from Towns number four. Well, all the way through Laura Elford, who's got Stanison in support for second of the game. Cool. Right. Okay, we're up and running. So, hello. Welcome to another special episode of Any Takes That Chance. I'm your host for today, Brady Frost, and today I'm joined by Huddersfield Town Women Manager and Assistant Manager, Jordan Wimpenny and Marcus Wilkinson. Gentlemen, how are we? Very good, thank you. How, how are you, Brady? I'm all right, mate. Yeah. Um, before we crack on, uh, just got to get a little bit of admin out of the way. As always, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, it's lockdown, so it's a good time as any to get the beers in. And lucky for you, we have a special discount code. You can get 10% off any online order if you use the code Takes that chance 10 at the checkout. Right, okay, let's get on to the, uh, to the interview. So, gentlemen, I suppose the first question is, uh, how are you both and how's, how's lockdown going for you? Uh, yeah, it's um, obviously the second time we're in this now, so we've had the experience of going through it once. So we're in the position again where we're having to, you know, go through it all one more time. Uh, it's a frustrating period, but one that we can't ignore. Um, we had the session with the players um, last week and told them that, you know, this was a plan going forward. This is what we're going to have to do. We've done this before. We've got to stay together. Um, and obviously for us individually as staff, that's the main priority for us to stay together and just stay focused really and reflect on that time we've just had before this second lockdown. 
Yeah, all right for you, Marcus. I noticed that was very yeah, managed when um, you speak there, Jordan. <laughs> yes, yeah, similar to what Jordan said. Obviously, this is the second time we've gone through it now. Um, when Jordan first got the job back in March, it was two days before the, the lockdown kicked in. Um, so we had one meeting with the players and then suddenly you're off for two, three months. So this one's slightly different. Um, obviously, we can't train, we can't do anything. We were lucky that in, I think, the start of June, we were back in small groups training. So I think we had quite a long pre-season. I think we had almost eight weeks pre-season in small groups and then got together as a as a full full team, both first team and development squad. So it was all right with that and we've had good momentum behind us. And unfortunately, COVID has uh, struck again and stopped us in our tracks. Yeah, and we'll we'll kind of come on to to lockdown and you know all that stuff. But I just want to talk to uh, talk to you guys and get to know you a little bit more um, for for our listeners as well. So, start with you, Jordan. Like, how how did you kind of get involved um, with Huddersfield Town Women, and you know how how did you get into football really? So my my background probably has been working within the men's game. So I've worked um, with some other clubs in in the southern regions and relocated back sort of up to my roots if you like where I'm originally from about a year and a half ago and then um, I became involved in the club within the foundation so I spent a little bit of time working in the community projects familiarising myself with the club um, it's a club that I have watched a lot as I've, I've grown up so I'm quite familiar with the surroundings uh, and came across an opportunity to work with uh, the women through the, the previous manager that was here um, I was able to get an opportunity and I went down spent some time around the team and then um, eventually stepped into coaching them and then, you know, sort of went through the transition period from the previous manager leaving to then taking over. Um, but as I've said, it's it's always been a, a men's background for me. Um, you know, I've worked a couple of clubs before, MK Dons, Stevenage, and you've worked from, you know, from the younger ones all the way up through to the, the scholar level and, um predominantly spent a lot of my time around that sort of environment and then came across an opportunity to transition into women's football, um, especially with the the rise that it's having and the direction that it's going. And I saw an opportunity, especially with, uh, and Marcus will agree, with the quality of the group that we have in front of us, that they have massive potential. It just seemed like uh, an opportunity that I wanted to try and get my teeth into a little bit. Um, if you're going on previous experiences, you know, women's football hasn't been a direction that I've necessarily always gone in. But I saw, you know, a little opportunity for us as as coaches, managers, staff and players to try and do something um, well. And, and I feel like the group's probably underperformed based on the calibre of player we have. So for us, it were an opportunity that we couldn't really turn down. No, I mean, great. I mean, you don't, again, I, I suppose maybe that's just... Um... For those who don't know, that's quite interesting. You were in the men's game, you moved to the women's game. What you talk about the opportunity, but what what kind of else appealed to you? Because I don't know if that's a traditional route that people take. No, it's. Um, I mean, when you look at obviously the men's the men's game, it's, it's it is it is different, and the environments are different, the players are different, um, different individuals, different mentalities. Um, you know, different approaches from other staff, and I just felt like um, not only to challenge myself which I'm massive on doing anyway you know I like to push myself in different directions that ultimately to be able to go and work with this group of players especially being from Huddersfield was um, something that you know I wanted to take pride in and try and give them an opportunity to improve um, 
you know, they're an exciting group of players. And coming from the men's game to the women's game, I felt that it would not only challenge myself, but I could really get to understand what I was potentially capable of in a management role with a good group of players. No, no, great stuff. And um, Marcus, how, how did you kind of get involved with, uh, with the team? Um, well, I've, I've always been in analysis, uh, analysis background. Um, and, and then I've been at a few clubs previously and I, I thought to myself, you know what, I want to like dab my hand at coaching and see how I get on with that. So uh, I knew of Ashley Vickers, the previous manager, and reached out to him on LinkedIn and got invited down and then almost got thrown in the deep end because I was coaching with the development squad and then the development squad manager left within like the first six weeks of being there and then suddenly I'm in charge of a team on my own. So that was... Uh, it was a challenge for me, especially with it being my first coaching role, um, but one that I felt I adapted to quite well and took in my stride. And obviously, we, we had a we had a good season before lockdown with the development squad, um, and then obviously lockdown struck and the first team manager left, and obviously Jordan got the job and Jordan promoted me to be assistant. So um, I'm thankful for Jordan for the opportunity, and you know we've had a really good start to the season. So I want to keep progressing myself as a coach as well as my analyst side of it as well nice and how do you how do you guys kind of get on as a management pair you know what's if you had to compare it to a, a, a duo how would you how would you describe it i think if you've got a what what i i'm really really big on is the people that you surround yourself with so i trust marcus completely trust his opinion uh you know i trust his views on things um, as he said he's had a very strong uh analysis background so you know I've surrounded us as a club with you know accept what you're good at and then bring people around you that are better at other things that maybe you're not very good at and then what it does is the relationship you have with each other it creates that big picture and there's there's certain things that you know Marcus is better uh, at than what I am and I fully respect that and I you know allow him to utilize his skills to help benefit us as a group and the uh, and the players, but for me, you know, it's more than just uh, see you on, see you at training, see you at a game. You know, we, we speak every day to talk about um, players, you know, just to keep in touch with people. I'd say across the board, you know, even with the two of us, you, you look across the whole board of, of staff, we're all very close, but we haven't known each other for a long period of time. And I think that says a lot about the group and that reflects onto the players. And then you look at their mentalities and how they approach each other and it sort of creates that full environment really and Marcus will say like you know there were periods where we'd probably speak to each other more than the people that were actually at home so you know it's, it's just one of those working relationships that's you know working really well for us. I, yeah so it doesn't sound like you're gonna have a cloth and tailor split anytime soon that's, <laughs> that's good to hear. Um, so how would, you, how would you kind of describe your management style Jordan like do you have any influences I'm sure there's people in the game that you kind of take inspiration from but uh, just tell us a little bit about it. Um, if I'm honest, I'm, I always look at the people I'm working with. So I'm, I'm really big on the individual. So if you look at, um, you know, regardless of whether you're working in men's football or women's football, you've got to look at the people you're working with. Um, the players are all different. You've got to manage them differently. And when I first came in, I, I rung a lot of the players up individually. So I'd get them on the phone. I'd tell them what the plan was. I'd speak to them individually and I'd explain probably what I would want from them over the season. 
and I get to find out a little bit about them because when I came in to coach, first of all, you were coaching, but you weren't able to form the relationships you needed to be able to fully understand them. Whereas when you went into the management role and the, the relationships were able to become one where you can find out more about the individual, that allowed me then to cater the coaching around what they would need. Um, that would be based on individually. And then for me as the group, there's certain characteristics the group has to have in order to be successful or to be able to work effectively for each other. So when we had the first meeting uh, before the first lockdown, we all sat in a room and, you know, like any manager or coach would, you show them a presentation. A presentation only goes so far. And then what we were able to show them was the characteristics that we um, want to perceive from us as staff to the players. And they're able to go, right, these are the people that are going to be working with. This is what they're all about. And then I gave them a choice at the end of that presentation to either make a decision to move on or make a decision to stay. Because, as I've said, there's so many characteristics that you need to have in a group for it to be successful. And if those characteristics aren't there, it makes everything else very, very difficult. So we said that from the off. And then since then, we've just been focusing on um, a lot of the group dynamics and the individual. And if you listen to some of the players when they um, have given interviews or reports or reviews, there's certain words that they use between them across the board, which tells me that we're able to get our... Um, messages across to build that that solid that solid group um, as a collective. And do you find obviously we're seeing more and more with players, not just in the women's game but men's game as well? Um, it is that personal touch. I mean, you talk about the group collective, but you also mentioned the individuals. Do you do you treat the individuals differently? Do you use different tactics to get the best out of your players? Yeah, I think you have to. I think yeah. you have to, if I'm honest, I think anybody that sits here and says in modern day coaching or modern day training that you use the same approach for every single player, you know, for me, that's a very, very old school way of managing and coaching things. So the way that it would have been quite um, a dictatorship if it was like, so it'd be, I tell you what to do, you do it. If it doesn't happen, this is what happens. Then I've realised as time's gone on, that only gets you so far. And the relationship that then you have with the individual allows you to get much more out of them. Now, listen, you'll have off days. You'll have players that have had off days. They'll come in and um, their mood might be different or their approach to training might be different. You might have a little sort of disagreement with each other. But then you have to understand that in the long term, the relationship you've got with them doesn't mean that that's what they mean personally to you. It's just at that moment in time. So, you know, there's loads of reports about how managers and people have had, you know, arguments at the training ground and the next day they turn up everything's fine and it's a clean slate like nothing ever happened. And even managers in the men's game still do that. And it's just about understanding the people you're working with. I know that I can deal with um, one player in one way and uh, another player in another way. It's just how we've spent time to get to know them. Um, and those players will know that as well. I think that we've built a little bit of a mutual respect because I'll always say to them, I'll be open and honest with you and I'll lay all the cards out on the table. I said, that's what I'll do. I'll never hide anything from you because as a player, you don't deserve that and you shouldn't be told anything different. So that's what we do. We build that relationship on being honest and a mutual respect. Yeah, and Marcus, just touching on what Jordan said, how does how does your role kind of 
get involved with that. I know being an assistant manager, you kind of like the bridge between sometimes. Like, I'm sure players might not always be happy with what the gaffer says. So you kind of like the, the other voice to help, you know, bring them along. Uh, to... I, w- I wouldn't say I'm the bridge between, to be fair. Like, like Jordan said, I think everyone's got that mutual respect for each other. So Jordan's approachable with anything and, and our players always go and speak to him anyway. So I don't think we have that problem, but it's just like reiterating everything Jordan's just said there. So um, we try and be honest with them as much as possible. If they're not in the squad, why are they not in the squad? Uh, what they can what they can work on, you know, we all get the games filmed, which we're quite fortunate to do. Um, so we've got access to the footage so we can go back and look at things and both myself and Jordan always watch them. So we see things uh, ready for training. So if we want to work on a certain aspect of it with a certain player, we will do. Um, so it's literally, like I said, it's just been open and honest with the players and if they've not been good enough, telling them why they haven't been good enough and what they need to improve on. And um, as I'm sure you'll have seen, guys, I've been uh, coming down to a couple of games more recently and trying to get more interested and more involved. Um, been chewing your ear off a lot, Marcus, at the end of games. Yeah. Um, but some of our listeners might not know a lot about about the women's game. And, you know, um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions, really, um, just to understand a bit more. I'm sure it's a question you get a lot, but um, I also spoke to Laura about this when we did the podcast. But obviously the men's game and the women's game gets compared a lot. Um, and to me, I think although it's still football, like, there is quite a few differences. Um, in your opinion, how, how would you say it's different to the to the men's game? That's for, for either of you. Yeah, I'll let you go, Jordan. Cheers. <laughs> I think that if you look at the, the comparisons, I mean, a lot of it is, um, you know, if you take away the game itself in terms of commercialised and... Um, showcased, it's it's out there, it's, it's in your face a little bit more with the men's game. Um, so you see it all the time, you're aware of it, there's TV deals done for it, there's, um, you know, a, a scope there that ultimately the women's game is starting to come through. And it's probably, you know, because of, if you rewind time back uh, as far as you can, that that's ultimately what they're now having to sort of overcome, if you like, to a point where... Um, I know that, you know, in the Super League and the, the Championship games are now getting showcased on on telly and they're getting bigger crowds. And we took part in a meeting the other day about their aspirations going forward over the next four years. So there's um, massive, massive scope for, for their development. And I think, you know, if like you said, you've been and watched some of our games. After speaking to some of the people at those games, you would f- probably find that they are um, most definitely more entertaining there's so much going on. I mean, for us as management, we don't necessarily want games to be entertaining uh, where there's action at both ends. Um, but, you know, I can I can hold my hands up and say, listen, some of those players, you know, are superb and the way that we want to play football showcase that they're, they're more than capable of doing it. And I mean, if you look at the way that the men's team's playing at the moment and the way they want to play, um, you know, it's it's something that we also want to try and instill because that's the things that we believe in about being able to play, getting it down, having an identity and a philosophy. And, you know, and I think when you look at the women's game, it will only grow. It, it will only get bigger. And I think that's probably the exciting part of it. And, you know, I know for a fact since we took over that the club itself has grown. We've got more people showing support. We've got more people coming down. We've got more opportunities for people to be involved with the club. And it's something that we want to continue and hopefully people want to come and be a part of. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I'm sure I'm sure you 
you get this a lot. I think, like you say, it was end to end. I mean that that West Brom game, the last the last game I went to, that was that had everything. Um, it was. Uh, I remember you talking about it after the game, Jordan. You were like, "Yeah, it did have everything." That uh, goal line clearance uh, where you hit the bar. That was that was absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, but, don't get me wrong. We've had we've had what, a couple of games like that recently, and yeah. uh, you know the Forest one for us, West Brom. Um, you know these. Like I said at the end, we always go out to try and win. And when you're in that position of going 2-1 down, they scored a quick goal after straight from kickoff, And, you know, you've had your team talk in the change room, you're coming out and going, well, that wasn't on the plan. And obviously we conceded the goal. And then, as I've said to you before about the characteristics that we want within the group, they have then had to fight for the next 45 minutes to be able to pull those goals back. You know, unfortunately it went our way. And, you know, for our emotions on the side, it's definitely a, a test for us yeah. being with the players for that for that period uh, throughout the game. I think um, the biggest compliment was that uh, the West the West Brom team were not happy after you guys won. So uh, I think that uh, just shows how, how much you kind of bossed the second half after uh, going behind. Um, so in, in regards to, I'm sure you get this a lot because again, people don't know about it. So I'm sure uh, you get a couple of um, ignorant questions, shall we say, about the game. Um, what are kind of the tropes to women's football that you, you just can't stand or fun, fundamentally disagree with, that you get all the time or, or not? Just the, like you say, the general general comments of women shouldn't play football and, you know, it's never going to be the same as the men's game and, and everything else. But, you know, I encourage young people to actually come down and watch because then you'll see it's, you know, your opinions like wrong, so to speak, like, I didn't know much about the women's game before getting involved with it. And you come in and you, you see how good the players are and you actually think, wow, like the standard is the standard is really, really good. Um, so it's, like I said, it's just a general, the way that some people perceive the women's game to be. I think that's the biggest uh, bugbearer for me. Yeah, I think if you um, if you look at the game itself, you've got to look at what you're actually... Um, even though those people you know, do ask those particular questions, you've got to look at why are those questions being asked, first of all. So you've got to look at, is it a generation thing? Is it um, you know, just people's beliefs about football itself? Is it you know, just being small-minded and not being open-minded enough to the fact that women can play the game? Um, you know, and I think that as time goes on and new generations are coming through and society is changing the way it's changing, that the game will develop in the way it should be going and seems to be going at this moment in time. So their long-term plan to be able to get more people involved, to have more spectators there, to commercialise the game a little bit more so that it's in people's faces so that they can see it, will create those opportunities. And I think it's just a case of we've had the platform with the um, national team being successful and I think that now we have to use that and be patient with the process. And when the process continues and develops, I think the women's game will just keep growing and growing and growing, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I mean, sorry. I was, I was just going to say as well. The, that you see. Yeah, no, and um, I mean, you, you, talk, you talk about the, uh, the women's national team. I mean, what was 12, was it 12 million people watched the uh, semi-final against USA? Um and it's funny you talk about that because I was going to kind of ask, what do you kind of see the obstacles to the game? Because when, when I spoke to Laura, she was talking about it's all about visibility. It's all about, you know, um, obviously you guys played at the John Smith Stadium, um, you know, in a cup game. And it's about kind of tying in with the 
with the men's clubs and you know getting the visibility and spreading the word out there. Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of it's down to um, I think it's down to opportunity and what people are prepared to do for the women's game. So we have a lot of people in you know quite high powerful places, and I think it depends on their particular motives and what they want to achieve to how far the game could go. There's no reason why the game couldn't be where we would want it to be. There's, um, you know, decisions in terms of, you know, commercial revenue. Are they going to get enough income back from the game to be able to make it viable for people to go and watch it, to charge people to go and watch it, to give them the stadiums to go and do it, to um, broadcast the games that need to be, you know, broadcasted and, you know, Ultimately, what we can do as teams and as management and staff is put the performances on the pitch to be able to showcase, actually, this is worth investing in and this will be able to be as, you know, competitive with the, the, men, the men's game and, and be able to showcase what they can actually do. Um, it can't just be the, the national team because they've been so successful that gets us in that position. We have to be able to look at um, the clubs and the... the the teams in the leagues that we're operating in to go right. Actually, no, you know, if if Huddersfield Town women are playing West Brom, that's a you know, it's going to be a good fixture. You know, if they play Stoke Derby after Christmas, whatever it might be, they'll be good fixtures. We need people there, and we need to be able to give them that exposure and opportunity. And I think they're probably they're probably their own hindrance, if I'm honest, um, because they probably have the 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 power to do it. It's whether they have the resources to be able to give the women that opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of touched on it there. Um, and I mentioned about the playing at the John Smith Stadium last year. How how is the relationship with the men's team? You, obviously, I know COVID's kind of got in the way of stuff, but are you, you yeah, know, we had uh, we had a little we had a catch up with them um, just before we went back into the second lockdown. Um, the relationship is, you know, it's strong. Uh, we're happy with the. Uh, discussions that have taken place and for us you know going forward there has been discussions around um, obviously as long as COVID doesn't get in the way again that we can look to build on what we had last season which is massive for us and you know we want to be able to show the men's club as well that actually you know we are here and we are doing a good job and you know we can be successful so we've got people on board that also see the same vision and are able to support our ideas, which is fantastic. So we can't, you know, complain too much. And when we go back after the second lockdown, we'll, we'll be able to continue that. Yeah, and we, we'll talk a bit about the lockdown. I mean, uh, I know season's paused at the moment, which isn't, isn't great, but you're top of the league, guys. Uh, I bet that's a good feeling. Um, so what with it being paused, what have you guys been up to? Because obviously, um, you, can't, you mentioned Marcus, you can't train at the moment. So... I don't know what you guys been doing. How's it been going? Um, just reflecting back on the games that we have played. Um, you know, we've played eight games. We've um, won six, lost one, and drawn one. So overall, it has been a good start to the season. But we have been winning games where sometimes we've not played as well as we would have liked. So you know, people see it as things are all rosy, but it's not always the case in football. Um, so we've, you know, we've sat down, we've watched the games back, and we've both analysed on it and you know, taking things from there. So we were just speaking before this podcast actually about like how things have been, what we think we can improve on and, and what the next steps can be for us because it's all right being at the top of the league, but the hardest thing in football is to stay there. 
Um, you know, when you're second and third, there's not as much pressure on you as there is being at top. So, um, so yeah, it's just that, and then just more hours in my other job as well. So, it's, uh, I've been non-stop recently, so I've not really had the, much of a lockdown for myself. Yeah, I mean, for us, we've, uh, we've been looking at sort of that process. We, we, I mean, if you look at the first lockdown, it was longer than the second. It will, well, was longer than hopefully what the second one will be. Uh, so for us, we just we build on the same process we went through. We do on, you know, we do online sessions with the players. We give them things, programs to do away from us. We check in with them to make sure everything's okay. We've got uh, nutritionists on board so we can look after that side of things. Um, we've got access to physios if anyone needs any particular programs to do at home. So we've got it all there for them. So we have access um, to that. And as Marcus says, we reflect, we look at what went well, how can we improve? And to be honest, even when we come away from games like West Brom or when we you know, took the win at Forest, sometimes as much as the result feels good, we create that you know, high standard that sometimes it doesn't always sit right with us. So mm. as much as we have got the win, as Marcus said, it's one of the hardest things to stay at the top. And, you know, we're probably too harsh on ourselves sometimes and we create those high standards because we can't settle for anything less, really. And, you know, we hope that the players can bounce off that. And um, I, I remember Laura mentioning about the Zoom the Zoom sessions. How How, did, how, how is that? Because obviously it's not ideal, but um, I'm, I'm sure everyone's committed. Is it? Was it a bit weird when you did that for the first time? You know, like... You know, 30, 40 VM Zoom. Yeah, it's, it's just one of them as well. Like, like you finish work and, and then you come home and, you know, there's the Zoom session, which is hosted by Jordan. So we, we get sent a list of workouts that we're going to do. And, and you know, everyone, everyone buys into it and everyone takes part. It's, it was at one point three or four times a week uh, throughout the first lockdown. So there was loads. We were getting loads across to the players, but it's now just once a week as it's uh, only a shorter lockdown. So, yeah, Jordan's the, um, the go-to when it comes to the Zoom sessions. Yeah, I mean, what, what we do is... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Look at there's a lot involved. Yeah, they they get to have a little bit of a, a blowout as a group. Um, you know, they, they come on, they see each other. So it might be the first time where they've seen each other in a you know a period of time where they used to being together, used to being around each other, and they come on and you know, you can check in with how everybody's doing, they can have a little bit of a sort of a, a laugh and a joke of each other about how they've been and um, just checking in with each other and just knowing that everybody's still there. So that when you're going through the process and, you know, sometimes you are isolated, locked down, you can't go and see people that ultimately, you you know, your team's still there. 
So we'll always drop little messages in or we'll send them programs to do or we'll check in and do a session and we just need them to know that, um, you know, even though we are locked down, that we're all still um, still together. And um, talking about lockdown, obviously you mentioned how difficult it is being on top because, you know, the other teams all uh, want to knock you off your perch. But do, do you think the lockdown's kind of going to affect the momentum or, you know, how do you how do you see it going when you when you can get back on the pitch? It's like I said, it's it's one of them we can never coming back into the second one. We we won't have had much training, um, so it just depends. Obviously, we need to make sure the training sessions are right for the players, and you know we don't overdo it straight away, and and that can affect us at the weekend. But like I said, we did have good momentum behind us. So, like Jordan mentioned on there, it's about the girls seeing each other and everyone being around each other so as soon as we get back in training you know there'll be that buzz and you know everyone will be bouncing off each other and up for it so if we can get the training right and then take that into the, into the game whenever that may be then hopefully we'll continue where we left off yeah i think you've got to look at the um the mindset of the players when they come back um it's quite easy for someone to say this break's now going to affect your momentum it could. We hope it doesn't. And in order to continue that, we have to ensure that players' mentalities are in the right place. So to give them reminders of what it was like before we went into lockdown, tell them how they were able to achieve the results they have and just remind them of the type of group they are and how successful they have been. And then, you know, look to build on that going forward. It's, it, it, the reality is we're in lockdown. So there's nothing we can do about it. So what you have to understand is when we go back, it won't change anything you've just gone through. But what you have to be able to do is see what it was like before and have those same um, characteristics, desires, motives when you're on the pitch to be able to go and do that again. Um, because we've been very pleased with some of the performances and we know that some of the performances could have been better, but we've still been able to get results from the games. And we need the players to have that main focus and mentality when they come back. Uh, rather than letting the lockdown affect them. That's why we keep talking to them constantly about you've got to take care of yourself. Don't just rely on what we're telling you to get you through it. Stay to your own programmes, look after your nutrition, plenty of sleep, keep your routines, um, you know, and hopefully they'll be in a, in a good place for when they come back. Yeah, well, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times, but um, I remember Laura saying the lockdown was actually good for you guys because she, she felt... Um, that she came back fitter and some of the teammates came back fitter because, like you say, it was regimented. It was the workouts and, you know, came back. And, I mean, you know, you guys were on fire in pre-season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you say, you can see it as a positive or negative. Um, but that's that's probably why I'm not, not a manager. So, there you go. <laughs> um, and just to give – well, while we're on the subject of that, um, Laura mentioned – that you guys have made the club as professional as it, it can be at this level. Um, how, how, does, how does that feel? You know, obviously, you guys know you're working hard and doing a good job, but it must feel nice for your players to acknowledge that there's been a, a real positive change. Yeah, 100%. It's always nice because, obviously, they're the ones at the forefront of, of the success when it comes to it. And, you know, we, we looked at the club of how it was and the state it was in and, like Jordan said, it was about getting the right people in, in terms of media, nutrition, um, partners behind the scenes, so social media-wise, and 
Like you look at our social media now compared to what it's been, we're, we're getting content out there, we're getting more interactions with people from the men's side of the game. And, you know, it's, it's just about getting everyone together. So when the players start seeing that, then they buy into it even more. And that's when they then want to do well and they want to be a part of the club rather than going and playing elsewhere. And, you know, we, we want to create that environment where they do come in and they enjoy being at Uddersfield Town rather than coming in and not enjoying themselves. So we, we just want it to be as professional as possible. Like, we'll go out of our way to do anything for the players. And, you know, we, we just want a little bit back from them in terms of the attitude and the commitment to the club. And, you know, so far they've been great with that. Yeah, I think when uh, when we you know we took over, we sort of spent a bit of time going from top to bottom, really. So even through the junior sides to our development squad to our first team, and and looked at the staff instructor and asked the question of, what is it we need? What can we do to make this club as professional as it can be? Because as I said to you before, these are characteristics that we have as individuals. These are things that we believe in. So when we when we set those standards and, and those level of professionalism, you know, we spent a lot of time in that first lockdown planning, reviewing, um, creating those partnerships, finding the right people, making those, um, you know, choices that we've made probably with a little bit of risk involved as well, but believing in the ideas that we had set. Now, the first thing I do when I recruited, you know, the new members of staff was I'd speak to each member of staff and I'd say, listen, what do you need to do your job effectively? You tell me what you need to do your job effectively and I'll make it happen for you. And then we've had great backing from the chairman and everybody else in the committee at the club. They, they fully support everything that we do and they've given us 100% backing with our ideas, which is, is, is brilliant for us. And my argument to the players and to those members of staff were, we can do so much to be professional that doesn't cost money. So even if we're in an environment where, you know, you're looking at the women's game, it might not have as much funding, it might not have as much money involved, that there's no reason why you can't set certain professional standards that are free to you and is free to, you know, to any individual at the club. So we set a, um, a level of standards from top to bottom, which went through first team right down to the junior clubs, as in what we want our players to be like, what we want our staff to be like, and how we were going to conduct it, and then what we provided to them. So getting in, you know, nutritionist programs out to the players, having physio programs out to the players, give them everything they can possibly have to be successful. And then the rest is over to, to obviously us and them to, to get the results on Sunday. And then there's, in my opinion, there's no excuses. Just touching on that as well. It's like when we did sit down, we looked at it and just thought like at the minute, what is Udderfield Town? And, we didn't really have an answer for it in terms of what we was as a club. So we, we were keen to create an identity for ourselves. And so when people look at us, they go, oh, yeah, the this, they're, they're good at this, they're good at doing that. And almost like David Wagner did when he came in, you know, just you, you know what Uddersfield Town was about. You know that they were going to play certain style and, and high press and everything else. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to, like, let people almost know and look at us and go, yeah, that's Uddersfield Town. Like, we want to be like them or we want to do things the way that they do things. Yeah, I mean, just looking from the outside, I mean, I look at the men's team. They've got a new coach who's come in and changed it. And uh, same with you guys. I mean, uh, am I am I talking to the uh, Yorkshire Cobra on here? Or, uh, <laughs> no, we have, a, 
we have very fixed ideas on how we want to do things. Um, best thing about what you know the, the discussions we have as staff, and especially me and Marcus, is we we believe in the same things, and it makes the working relationship a lot easier. So, you know, the type of football we want to play, the risk that we can take. Uh, I did tell the group when we first came in that be prepared to be flexible in terms of how you play. So you will not play the same thing all the time. You will change. You will play different formations dependent on the other team and the situation. Sometimes we'll ask you to do X. Sometimes we'll ask you to do Y. There'll be parts of the games where we've got to roll the dice. Whatever number it lands on, that's the one we've got to go with next because it isn't going that way. And, you know, they've, they've adapted to that really well. And like I said, the style of football we want to play, you know, the players agree and they buy in. So for us, it's, it's a good match. And luckily for us, you know, those results have been coming our way at the moment. No, definitely. And I mean, like we, we've touched on it and it's all moving in the right direction. What what do you guys think it you need to take to the next level? I mean, obviously we've got the other teams like um, the Leeds and, Leeds and uh, Bradford teams are a step below you. I, I know it can get a bit complicated, but... Obviously, you know, the the teams that are higher up, you can get promotion, more kind of funding comes their way. But what do you guys think you need to take it to the next level? Um, it's, we do, we do need to soar back in. I think if we're going to go to the next level, you know, we need to be in day-to-day around Canal side and have access to that on a full-time basis because, you know, your next level, it's, Certainly, you're not regionalised. You'll be playing down in London one week and up in Durham the next week. So, we need to have that that bit of backing behind us and you know that little little bit of support, even more than what they already do, just to access to the facilities. So, we know the step up is is going to be really really tough in terms of where we are now, in terms of how how we get to where we need to be, and then when we get there, what what we need in place and. You know, Jordan will know more about that with the meeting he's been to and and everything about about the next level. Yeah, it's a it's a step that we'd have to review. Uh, we definitely need to um, change our approach slightly to how we've been doing things in terms of um, you know like facilities, um, funding opportunities, um, the level of um, you know, staffing and players that we'd need at the next level. Do we need to review that process? Um, but, you know, as much as we've had the meeting and the discussions, we can't think too far ahead because ultimately we're in a position where, you know, we are at the top, but we know for a fact, you know, Forest were there for quite some time that it can just go like that. And then you've got to find your way back. So for us, you know, we'll, we'll keep us... Um, as I on what we'd need to be able to go into that next level and hopefully be more um, successful games, op- you know, opportunities, meetings, discussions, plans, that that would be feasible for us to do. You know, because of our ambitions, we want to be able to get in that position. We want to be able to push the team that far, get the players to that level. Um, and we'll do what we can to have those conversations to make it happen. Um, you know, I think if, if it's something that all parties want, then there's no reason why it could if the results go your way. Um, but our job is just to focus on winning games because um, none of that would happen if we don't. So um, we've got to stay quite grounded at the moment and make sure that we get ourselves in that position. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, you're doing your job very well, lads, because you're you, you're winning quite a few games with the team. Um, was that was that kind of your target at the start of the season? You know, I know um, you kind of all set targets with the team, but was the title was that a realistic target, or was it? You know, have you guys done a bit better than you expected, or you know, are you going to? Was this always the plan to? to uh, yeah, we've been asked a, <laughs> we've been asked that a couple of times in pre-season, and uh, I said I would never give you an answer, but what I what we pride ourselves on is winning games. So, you know, I said this before, you don't you don't go to train all week and give up your time and, and put in the amount of effort you do and go on a Sunday to, to draw or lose games. So to answer the question, you know, I'm a terrible, I, I t- I'm terrible at losing. I hate losing. So that's my mindset. And luckily for, for me, I'm surrounded by people that have the same mindset as well, that they just want to win. So our ambition when we go out is to go and win. It's to win games. It's to you know, if it is to win the league, then listen, I'm not you know going to be in a position where I'll go. That's not what we wanted, because we pride ourselves on winning, and you know I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not what we don't want, because realistically, I'm sure every single manager would like to go and win that league, because I don't know any manager really that would want to go out and settle for fifth, fourth, sixth. Um, but that might just be my mindset, but. In terms of how we go about games, we, we want to win. And if that means, like I said, winning the league, then that's where I'll try and take take us towards. Yeah, in terms of us two as, as coaches, you know, we are relatively young and there's managers in this league that have worked at the very top level in the women's game. So, obviously, we know we are inexperienced compared to most, but if we believe in ourselves and work to, work together as a team and get everyone on side and like we were speaking about before, getting the buy-in of the players, and there's no reason, you know, why why we can't go to the next level. But we didn't have any targets in mind. It was it was just take every game as it comes, and not only win football matches, but develop players as well. Nice, nice, very very coy from from you both there. <laughs> um, just, I suppose, a question for any anyone who who wants to get into coaching. Um, what what advice would you would you guys give? Just be yourself. Um, I think if you try reenact other people, and you know, you see the way that Klopp does things and Guardiola does things, and if you try, oh, I can do that, I can do that, then you know, you'll get found out straight away. So it's just, you know, putting your previous experiences into practice, and you know, putting them out there when you when you do get to training, and, and like Jordan said before, just be open and honest because I think in any walk of life, if you're open and honest with people, you'll start getting that respect and. And you'll get a lot more back than you would do if you if you're trying to like act and put a persona on that you're someone who you're actually not. So, like I said, just be yourself. And it is a challenging environment being a coach. You know, it can be a lonely place sometimes, especially if results don't go your way and you know the pressure builds and and whatever. So, like I said, just be true to yourself. If you've got values, just stick to them at all times. Yeah, I think depending on you know. What age you are? I think you've got to you've got to throw yourself, you know, into into the fire a little bit and, and put yourself out there. So going to a, into a position where, you know, you're not thinking about how much money you can make from it or how much this you can get from it, but you do it because you love doing it. So you're gonna go out, you're gonna give up your time, you're gonna you know go and work with as many groups as you can at different levels, different ages. Go and find out who you are and what you believe in in terms of your 
um, your football side of it. And, you know, I, I had a conversation with a coach a few years ago and some advice they gave me was, um, you know, you'll always get coaches and managers that will chase qualifications. So they'll chase the paperwork so that when you turn up with your portfolio, it looks really nice and you've got everything on paper. Whereas actually they're probably missing more around what they actually need. And that's the life experience of being on the pitch because they're too busy chasing the next piece of paper. So for me, it'd just be a case of put yourself in a position where you're working with as many different people, as many different groups as you can and finding out what it is you believe in um, and, and how you want the game to be played. It's not right or wrong. If you want the game to be played in a particular way because you think that's you know the right way to do it or the best way to get um, the most out of the players, then you know do it. And if it's you know like for us, Max, I say we are young in terms of management and coaches. And I, I always tell this to the players: I'm prepared to take risk. I'm prepared to take risk. If it backfires, then I'll hold my hands up. But if it works, then you know it, it's an advantage to us. And for any young coach that wants to get involved, or any coach at all, just just go and do it. Marx is right. It is tough. It, you have those times where you're going, you know, it's, it's raining, it's cold and, you know, you may not have got what you wanted from the session or you may have lost the fixture at the week and you're thinking, um, you know, this is, this is tough, this, but it builds a, a good sense of resilience in yourself and you're able to, you know, to go and find out about what, what you're able to do. And I think that these players are, are seeing that from us as staff that we don't give up on them. You know, I'll you know, scream and shout for 90 minutes. I'll say to them when I've come off, I feel like I've played 90 minutes because I want to be able to give them everything so that when I walk away, I can at least hold my hands up and go, I tried to give you it. And if it didn't work, then we reflect why. And if it did, then we know we've done his job. Oh, lads, I'm, I'm feeling pumped up. I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a coach, but, you know, I feel a bit more motivated for football manager. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just, uh, I suppose, I suppose really what, my final question really is, how do you guys want to be remembered for, from your time at Huddersfield Town Women? I mean, obviously you're still here, I, I sound, you know, from what you've said and how you guys are playing and I want you to be here for quite a while because you're doing good things. But, you know, how do you want to be remembered? In all honesty, I think it's just, what we've been able to do to the club itself, I take it from what it was, review it, put a plan in place and be able to take it to what we think it can be. So obviously you're coming with a vision and an idea in mind of going, right, where could the club be? How could it look in terms of staffing? How far could it go? And also how far can we um, take that group of players to a level that we believe they should be playing at? And then everything else will come with the club. And I, you know, when we took over, I, I looked at it and thought, this has huge potential. And to be given the license to be able to go, right, this is what we need, this is what we need to do. This club will grow and it will get bigger. And this team will keep performing the way they are because they are a very good group of players. Um, as long as we stay grounded, we keep our values and we work hard every week, that will continue to happen. And, you know, when, whenever that journey may change or end or whatever it might be hopefully not soon for us because you know we're, um, we're quite enjoying the challenge of being able to turn the club around and turn it into something that we, we think it should be then you know that's what we want to be able to do take them to that level that we believe they should be at yes similar to like I said before it's just the identity so 
you know, we, we've gone in there and we've we've changed how the club is from, like Jordan said, from right from the very bottom down at the younger age groups all the way up to the top from, you know, from the chairman and, and the committee. So I think it's just looking back and then it's obviously if we do move on one day, we look back and go, yeah, look at what the club was compared to what it is now and have that clear identity of of Huddersfield Town Women as a football club. So uh, just just before I uh, go, is there anything else you want to add, lads? Anything we d- we didn't cover? Uh, I just want to take the opportunity to thank those that have been supporting us, really. So the fans that we have had down at the game and those that have been interacting with us uh, since we've taken over. I know probably to to a lot of these guys, you know, we're new faces, um, probably don't know too much about us, but you know, in, in all honesty, we can fully appreciate the support that we've had and you know hopefully that'll continue we see more people at games and we're able to reach out to people you know we're quite open and honest people we'll give people the time of day you know we're not one of these people that won't speak to people or won't share ideas or whatever it might be you know we want people to feel part of something so we value the the supporters that we've had massively and we want that to continue and you know like I said it, it, it has grown a lot since we've took over and you know we look forward to seeing everybody back down at um, at those games maybe not at each end but you know like we had with the West Brom game but hopefully we can showcase them some um, some football that they can enjoy Yeah just just to anyone that's like if you've watched the podcast and you've got an interest you know c- come on down and if it's not for you it's not for you but you know we, we always want to put on entertainment like Jordan said hopefully not at both ends but like I said we just thank you for the support that we've had so far and you know, the attendances have been good when we've been allowed to have fans back in. So if you can't get in to watch the men's, then come down and support us because you're always welcome down. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you there, Marcus, because uh, I don't know why it wouldn't be for you, especially uh, some of the uh, the rubbish we've had to put up with the men's team <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, gentlemen, thanks, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you giving up your time to chat to us. No problem. Thank you for having us. Thank you. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup 
back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, muck nugget share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 